Welcome to episode 17 of Two Please. I'm your host, Abhin. And I'm your co-host, Rohit. And we've been on a bit of a break since our last episode. Uh, Rohit has been moving. I've had a few personal commitments. So it's been difficult to actually find the time to record uh, a new episode. But now we're back. We're back for the second half of our first ever season. And the genesis of today's episode came from a very strange idea. So basically, Abhin and I were discussing what our next episode should be about. And we started talking about the Indiana Jones movies. We're like, okay, we've... Uh, wherein Abhin realized that the only Indiana Jones movie that I've seen to completion, to my undying shame, is uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm. And Abhin almost stopped being friends with me after <laughs> knowing that I haven't watched Last Crusade or uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. But uh, then we started talking about Temple of Doom and Amrish Puri and the whole Thuggy cult, the way the Thuggy cult has been shown. One thing led to another. We started talking about cults and then we're like, you know what? The next episode should be on cult classics. So while we are not even remotely close to doing an Indiana Jones episode right now, because I have a lot to catch up on, Mm -hmm. um, that whole train of thought has led us to doing this episode eventually. So we have about three uh, films that we each are going to pick. There are a few honorable mentions as well. Um, So Rohit and I will jump between our picks and discuss the films that we regard and the general populace regards as car classics. Now that being said, let's get on with the show. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Cult classics. So what is a cult classic? Do we have a definition for it? Yeah. So in my head, the way I look at it is there are mainly two types of movies that you could call cult classics. One, um, you know, movies which are so bad that they're beloved for how bad they are. That's a part of the ironic appeal of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you have movies which uh, are generally great but were either underappreciated critically at the time or were also critical darlings, but did not live up to the box office promise that the premise of the movie initially presented. So you have probably two ends of the spectrum here, but both are funnily enough considered cult. At least that's my definition. Movies that are really bad and are good because they're that bad or movies that are really good, but just it, it didn't work in its time, but in the years since, decades since, people have come to love and regard these movies. I so that, what do you yeah. think, Abhin? Do you think that definition is fair? Yeah, I think that kind of makes sense. I mean, that that's really pretty self-explanatory. I mean, I really don't have nothing to add to it. Uh, so bad is good. Films that have like developed um, a cult following are definitely my cup of tea. And there are a fair few of them on this list. I wouldn't even say fair few. I think there are maybe two on this list. Um, yeah. but few, but few enough anyway. Um, but before I get there, I want to talk about, we've picked three films each, uh, and I've been like jumping around with, um, one of those three films. And, uh, as an, I, I've had, I had a choice to make between two films and until like midweek, uh, I was on board with, uh, one of those films, but I have now switched it out. 
as a last minute substitute uh, to the film that was in my honorable mentions. The only reason the film that was in my honorable mentions previously, uh, I wasn't making it onto the, onto the list was because it was too uh, recent to have been called a cult classic, but I think it is definitely getting there. And, um, or it is de- developing that fan following. Like you either love that film or you either really hate it. There is no in between. Um, but yeah, in terms of honorable mentions, do you have any before uh, I pick mine? So the only honorable mention I have top of my mind is Jane Bhi Do Yaro, which is mm. 1983-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86-86
Anyway, be honest so we can sacrifice you properly. <laughs> oh. Wow, now I just had images of Bible black in my head. The last thing that I did that I wanted to think about. Ah. Anyway, this uh, honorable mention is turning into a dishonorable mention real quick. <laughs> yeah, okay, no, but anyway, let's get back to Jennifer's body. The good things about the film. One uh queer representation, one of the first few films to do it where especially in the 09s and the 010s where you the lead actor portrayed by a pretty big star at the time is he has like strong uh, undertones of, of being bisexual like you can see it in the characters um uh, actions every time needy who's played by Amanda Seyfried her best friend um is either attracting the attention of boys so she always tends to put them down put her down push them away this conflict within her she's trying to not do what like she's try- she's trying not to give in to her urges but at the same time she's on this path of revenge which was very interesting to see at the time and i didn't appreciate it as much when it came out i was like oh this is a really boring film i did watch it a couple of years later and i was like oh okay i i see what this movie is trying to do it has become um this um like like this feminist film uh, at least like for the late noughties having it is like the feminist film for the late for the late noughties and what it does it it does quite well there's that wonderful line in the end where uh Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried are confronting each other, and this is when I was referring to the whole the queer representation aspect of it, where it's been hinted at this throughout the film, and then uh, she says that, and then Amanda Seyfried says, "I thought you only kill boys," and that's when she says, "Oh, I go both ways," which is uh, oh. a really nice moment there. Uh, yeah, I mean Jennifer's body is on um, is is a movie I would encourage you to check out. It it is quite fun. Um, It, it has its merits. Uh, definitely one of the more underappreciated films to have come out in the last ten or ten years or so. Well, let's start. I mean, what's your first movie? Okay, first movie on the list. Uh, like, pick a side: Hollywood or Bollywood? Let's do. How many do you have? I'm guessing you have two Hollywood and Bollywood. Yeah. So let's sandwich the Bollywood between the Hollywood. Okay, cool. So what we'll do is. Uh, I'll start with this 2016 film called Swiss Army Man, uh, starring mm. Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano. So Paul Dano is a suicidal man on an island who is trying to kill himself when he discovers a corpse floating onto the shore, and uh, he decides against killing himself and runs to the corpse and realizes the corpse is is like, for the lack of a better word, better term. farting away in the sea flatulent flatulent and this is and i would not say much about the premise of this film it's just that i will give you what happens in the first 5 minutes so at this point paul dano runs over to said farting corpse played by dan ratcliffe and then proceeds to use him as a jet ski <laughs> and drive off into the ocean that is literally the opening 5 sec 5 minutes of this film uh with a cappella songs playing in the back and that's how that's when the credits roll in and it is the journey and the journey of a man and his uh farting cops of a best friend as they make I mean, their way if, back if, if that <laughs> won't hook you nothing will <laughs> nothing will <laughs> yeah so it is as they as they make their way back into uh, civilization and it's all about Paul Dano's character wanted to go back and uh, and and basically like ask this girl out that he's he's kind of scared to, 
And these two really become close along the way. And it's a journey of self-discovery, a journey to like to love yourself. You mentioned he's a corpse. Please elaborate on become close along the way. <laughs> because... Oh, yeah. Okay. I think we need to like talk about this. So uh, somewhere along the way, uh, Paul Dunham realizes that Daniel Radcliffe is a talking corpse. He's not just any corpse. He's a talking corpse who can do multiple things. So when they say Swiss Army man, it obviously refers to the Swiss Army knife that is multi uh, that, that is multi-purpose, right? So take the concept of a Swiss Army knife and put it into a man. <laughs> that is basically I'm sure what somebody's put a Swiss Army knife into a man before, but I get yeah, what I, you're saying. I, anyway, the concept <laughs> of a Swiss, the, the concept of a Swiss Army knife. And like, dude, I absolutely adore this film. I have shown this movie to a lot of people and they have absolutely hated it or they have absolutely loved it. I tried showing this to mm-hmm. my to, to my girlfriend at one point and she said, what, what am I watching? She turned off before the credits rolled in. I was like, she's like, I can't do this. So I said, okay, I mean, understandable. Like, I mean, not exactly your cup of tea. I did show it to a few other friends who are like, dude, this is the best shit I've ever seen. Um, I I would love to like, uh, like probably get together and watch this again sometimes because that's how... Uh, that's how much we uh, adore the film. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I was just going to mention that I haven't watched the movie. I really wanted to watch it at the time of its release. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I haven't watched it, but I did that, that dirty thing that we quizzers tend to do in that I uh, read up about the plot a little bit because curiosity got the better of me. Because I'd heard about the flatulent cops that Daniel Radcliffe plays, and I'd I'd read about the whole motorboating sequence, mm-hmm. whatever the fart boating sequence. I was like, mm-hmm. this no. I, I just need to know where this movie goes. <laughs> I just have to know, even if I'm not watching it. And uh, I think it's it's uh, my understanding again. This comes from a reading of the plot, so again, apologies right at the start for mm-hmm. having. I shouldn't be talking about my experience of a movie that I've just read about. It it feels wrong, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the way I understood it is uh, if you look at things literally in this movie, mm-hmm. you're not going to enjoy it. This is not for people who like things to make logical sense or, uh, you know, be rooted in reality. It, this mm-hmm. requires for you to have a conceptual uh, suspension of disbelief because they use that outlandish concept to tell a very profoundly warm and human story at the heart of it. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it on the face of it, a corpse and a guy becoming very close friends and the corpse helping the guy overcome uh, the challenges that had put him in that sort of mental space that he was in at the start of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, on paper seems outlandish, but at least from what I read, it looks like it's a, a movie I'd love to watch. And I mean, this is an error that I I need to rectify ASAP. I don't know which movie I'm going to watch first, Raiders of the Lost Ark or Swissami Man, but... <laughs> I need to <laughs> get I mean, on to watching this. That's a double header if there was one. I need to, like Raiders of the Lost Ark <laughs> and Swiss Army Man back to back. I think they both, for, and for me, they fall under the category of the one sock film. Uh, this is something Guillermo del Toro coined. And he's, uh, he pointed this out specifically for Zodiac. He says, so when you so for, with a one sock film, when you're sitting down to watch a film and you're putting down a pair of socks, uh, you put one sock and then you start watching the film. And by the time the second film, the film is over, you are still sitting in the exact same position with the other sock in your hand. Uh, which because, uh. mm, so it's, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm poor Guillermo del Toro. Like he opened himself up to be uh, 
I mean, trolled by uh, several internet trolls, given like what one sock films could possibly of be. Course. Yeah. So, I mean, could be like interpreted as anyway. So, um, but but yeah, uh, this is Raiders. Raiders is also I wouldn't say it's not a cult classic. Raiders is a is a classic, but Swiss Army Man is is up there, dude. It's one of my favorite films uh, of the last ten years. I would highly recommend it to anybody who, um, uh, you know, who has an interest in trying out things that are slightly uh, a little off kilter, and watch it for the performances. Uh, let's like Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> it's like Paul Dano switched up. Uh, he, he was he was in What If with Zoe Kazan, and then he went from that to this uh, mm-hmm. with Paul Dano. And Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan uh, have been longtime partners for like. The better part of like a decade at this point. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that is just a little bit of trivia in there. Uh, but those two share such good chemistry, and like you're Harry Potter, you are possibly one of the biggest stars ever to have appeared in this world, and you say yes to a script where you basically play. I mean, this is exactly what he wanted to do, right? I love, yeah. I mean, obviously we're going to do an episode on this down the line. I, yeah. I know it's in our pipeline, but I love the route Daniel Radcliffe has taken with his career. He's like, this is what we want to do in life as well, right? All of mm-hmm. us want to make enough money in our main career such that we're financially independent enough to do what we actually want to do. He's living the dream in that sense. He's got money for the next eight generations with Harry Potter, and now he's going to do movies that like Guns Akimbo. What mm-hmm. fuck sort of movie is that, right? Dan Radcliffe decided I'm only going to do shit which stands out, like or exactly. which catches my fancy, which is because he can do it. Mm-hmm. Him, Robert Pattinson. I'm so glad these people exist where they have talent, and now they have the free financial freedom to do whatever the hell they want, which is why we so, get gems like these. Yes, like even Horns, which I think is is another film I really like. The Dan, uh, where he grows, he's accused of his girlfriend's murder, and then as he's going through the film, he starts growing devil horns. And yeah, very interesting concept, and like he doesn't know what's happening to him, why it's the why it's happening to him the way it is. Um, I quite like that film. I don't think it was received very well, but one of those I watched I really, it. It's mm-hmm. it's nice. It's not mm-hmm. great, but yeah, I get why he did it. It's different. Hmm. But okay, uh, that's that's me on Swiss Army Man, uh, farting cops movie, uh, and also it has one. It has possibly one of my favorite lines ever in film, it, and it, it's very true to uh, to something I would say in real life. It's where Dan Radcliffe says, "If my best friend is hiding uh, his farts from me, what else is he hiding from me?" Which is so true. Like, if you have a best friend, if you have a partner, and you are scared to fart around them. There's no trust in that relationship. Yeah, I mean, if you can't talk about that stuff with your friends, then what sort of friendship is that? Exactly. I mean, our poor partners, but for them. Yeah, yeah, I feel bad for them, mm-hmm. especially on the days I have like hummus and all. Uh-huh. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, it's like you know, it's like the Beyblade tagline in your stomach. Let it. So. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm not. Uh, let's not get into details. Okay. Fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's go into uh, your first entry into this. Um, into this episode, like your first entry. Yeah. So my first entry, I'm going to pick off the Beyblade line, uh, in the sense that you have these whole 
Beyblade is like a tornado. Okay, I don't know how. It's a very tenuous connection that I'm trying to build. This Beyblade okay, rotates like a tornado. It's like mm-hmm. a bullet tornado, which is a lot of what this movie features. The movie I'm talking about is 2000, 2000, yeah, 2000's Equilibrium, starring okay. Christian Bale, Tay Diggs, and uh, Sean Bean, and a bunch mm-hmm. of other guys. Mm-hmm. It's this... Um, dystopian it's a dystopian it's set in a dystopian future where uh, emotions are suppressed for society to function smoothly and people take these supplements uh, regularly which help suppress emotions and uh, the government cracks down very strongly on these rebels who decide to feel and who decide to not take those supplements because they mm-hmm. feel that destabilizes the the government setup that they've sort of built mm-hmm. and christian bale plays this government agent slash enforcer he's part of like the gestapo of of that world where he rounds up these these rebels who uh there's this whole underground moment of people uh who want to feel who want to read books so books are also especially fiction is banned mm-hmm. in this universe that they've set up because the whole idea being the the, th- the thoughts in books stir emotions in people which is not what they want so uh, it's a very interesting world they built it's not original by any means i mean this whole concept like in fahrenheit 451 is about how books you know lead to spur thought and that leads to destabilization of the 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 world that they've built so by no means is it original it's the world building is interesting but that's not the reason that you really want to watch this movie mm-hmm. christian bale is also great in this movie but again not the reason that not the key reason that you want to watch the movie the key reason that you want to watch the movie is the gunkatha mm-hmm. if have you watched the movie i have seen i have actually i've only caught bits of it on uh, on cable and i know exactly what you mean the, the gunkatha is is pretty on point in this film there's a whole sequence where yeah. He's like, in fact, he's getting... it was an it was a martial art. I mean, I'm calling it a martial art. I'm just laughing as I do so. But uh, <laughs> this martial art was invented, I think, for this movie. It didn't really exist before this. So, no, Gun Gunkata for this Gunkata is Matrix, right? Is it okay? I didn't. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Do they really have Gunkata in Matrix? I yeah, thought it was. Oh, Okay, now my will feel figure. Okay, we'll either way, so out. it's one of those earlier, uh, one of the first movies to have this whole concept be a central aspect of the action pieces in it. Mm. So for those of you who may not know, Gunkata is where you you combine uh, martial arts movements like attacking, whatever movements, defensive movements, but you have guns in your hand and you're like <laughs> using those movements to shoot. It's <laughs> ridiculous, but it's. fucking amazing and it looks so good on screen and mm-hmm. like if you if you are a fan of coordinated fighting where you know things flow smoothly and you know the whole matrix sort of stuff and yeah uh, all of those sort of movies oh my god equilibrium is your is like a wet dream from start to finish mhm and i love that movie so much again it it sort of worked in the time when it released but not really okay today people watch it that i mean it has fanatics who uh, love the movie for the the action sequences and i think i myself it plays a lot on tv especially mm-hmm. on star movies mm-hmm. i myself would have watched it effortlessly five six times every time it's on tv i am like cool i know what i'm doing for the next hour and a half the 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 story is easy to follow you don't really have to apply your mind you just have to like watch the action unfold on screen and hide your reaction so <laughs> <laughs> wow okay wow <laughs> 
No, I remember like uh, catching it, and I was very intrigued by. I didn't even know what the movie was called for like for, for quite a few years because I'm like, what is that Christian Bale movie where he's wearing this long coat and he's got his hair slicked back? This was yeah. the uh, the early 2000s Christian Bale, right? Because he went from American Psycho to this to Reign of Fire, which I quite enjoy. Uh, one of my favorites, which is also would also qualify to be a cult movie, to be honest. Yeah, it is way better than the ratings suggest it is. It's actually dude, like in my in terms of the dragons, the like. CGI. Oh man, the dragons in Reign of Fire are amazing, dude. Yeah, like, that's exactly how dragons should be. They are yeah. long, but they're not. They're not thin. They're long. Mm-hmm. They're muscular, and they're fucking mean, dude. Like they hate you. Like yeah. they hate humans. That's exactly how I envision a dragon, and the whole. Matthew McConaughey scene where he jumps with the axe. Oh man, mm. what a cinematic moment! You know, Fire is a kick-ass movie. Yeah, I really uh, quite enjoyed it. I mean, I remember like being very impressed by the trailers when it came out, and then it just sank. I feel like they put a lot of money into that film, and it just like didn't get the the, the love it, it it deserved. Um, but yeah, Equilibrium is a, is a film. I do. I think one day I will sit down and watch it in, in its entirety because I've just seen bits and pieces of it. Uh, I know. Uh, I mean, I it, it gave me. minority report vibes because it follows a similar theme where they tend to i mean i wouldn't say like it was that the dystopian era uh film times uh, like films that were coming out around i think minority report came out maybe what two years after this 2002 2004. i think yeah 2002 2004 yeah hmm. it, it does share a lot of i wouldn't say th- yeah, themes plot points not plot points but yeah themes in common with minority report Mm-hmm. Minority Report obviously does it better. Mm-hmm. This doesn't go into the sort of depth that the movie. This is a visual spectacle, out and out. Mm. Okay, this is something I need to like. I probably put it on my list. This and Event Horizon are two films I really have to check out. Because um, everyone talks about Event Horizon being like the best sequel to. I mean, uh, uh, like survival horror sequel to Alien, because Aliens isn't really survival horror, now, is it? Mm. Uh, but. And it's also direct, and also probably this guy's best work, uh, Paul William Scott Anderson, who is known for dumpster fires like uh, Alien versus Predator. Like basically, he's married to uh, to Mila Jovovich. Right? Mila Jovovich, yeah. Yeah. So whatever film that she's in that is not the Fifth Element, it is him. So yeah. So okay. What's your second movie then? All right. So my second end, my. Uh, So the second film I want to talk about is a ninety four ninety four is a nineteen ninety four Bollywood film. So this was this was a film that had a massive star cast. Like this was the film that starred Krishna Kapoor, Ravina Tandon, Amir Khan, and Salman Khan, and had a great supporting cast in um, in Parish Rawal. Um, who else is then uh, Shakti Kapoor and just the basic the, the comedic giants of Of Indian cinema, I am of course talking about everyone's favorite 1994 film, Andaz Apna Apna. Now, Andaz Apna Apna, when it came out, did not do too well. It was stuck in development hell for like years. Directed by Rajkumar Santoshi, who has a very interesting catalog of films. He does. I was just going to say that that guy is yeah. so diverse. Yeah, he like he swaps between. Um, Comedy and drama, like I, I quite remember enjoying Khaki, which is a police drama that came out in '04. 
uh and Before, yeah. Yeah. yeah and i think i mean it did it did really also done sarfarosh which so, no it's yeah. did you sarfarosh no that's john yeah. john matthew mathan so that's oh that's john matthew mathan sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah so uh no and he did china gate i think is him yes uh, mm. and he also did ajab prem because of kahani which which, which honestly so said the better it, it made a lot like it, it had this emotional core to it and ranbir singh talks and, and, and ranbir kapoor talks about it in um in an episode on the ab podcast where he says he was prepared for ajab premi gazab kahani to to flop like badly it's like what is this movie like it's going to flop and he looked at rocket singh which i think could possibly be top 3 ranbir uh, ranbir kapoor films of all time um and said that's my munabai that's the one that's going to like shoot me to stardom uh the the reverse happened ajay uh, devgupta so yeah. became a, a massive hit and uh, rocket singh sank without a trace so i felt really bad for him even though there are times that like i have yeah. uh, i i can plug in ajay devgupta kahani and, and and watch it uh and keep it on as background noise for certain uh like like certain mo- moments it has like great songs it has really nice songs it, it does atif aslam and, at his peak oh yeah let's peak atif i know i think 204 to 0 then maybe we should do an episode on like artif assassins rise yeah. in bollywood <laughs> uh but, but yeah, yeah back think, to andaz apna apna let's back to andaz apna apna so andaz apna apna tells the story of two boys or two like dumb idiots who decide to move to uti no yeah so basically they go chasing this rich heiress and try attempting to woo her so that they can get all the money that uh, she inherits and several situations unfold along the way now if you if you grew up in india you probably watched this movie and if you haven't and if you this is something this is a premise that intrigues you i urge you definitely check it out it is very 90s it is very bollywood it is very silly but it is all so much fun the op- there's an opening sequence that involves govinda like the whole dream sequence between govinda and joey chavla which still cracks me up to this day and then like the supporting cast are all everyone in this film is delivering great performances i don't think anybody is is slacking as especially career uh, a career best performance of shakti kapoor as crime master gogo he has yeah. like I, i think crime master gogo has uh has entered the halls of like i don't think if, if shakti kapoor doesn't do us another film in his entire career he will always have that one role that people remember him by uh and of course you have amir khan and, and saman khan playing amar and prem uh their most popular namesakes in the in in the 90s and and ravina tanan playing ravina and karishma kapoor playing karishma as and then there's a whole thing that switches up towards the end there there's there's a joke that involves vasco vasco da gama's gun it's just this the music it's, also is, it's, it's the most random movie there is like <laughs> if 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 you if you're searching for a plot there is the like the threadbarest plot that drives the movie along it's just about the shenanigans i feel and yeah. uh, sorry to cut jump in here abin uh, this mm-hmm. one point that i wanted to make at least i feel uh, andaz apna apna has had a sort of renaissance in the public zeitgeist because of our generation you know getting on to social media and a lot of these memes have uh, the movie has not, today spawned a lot of these memes and there's like a renewed discovery and renewed appreciation of 
andaz apna apna that has happened i guess in the last 5 6 years or so yeah. it's really brought the movie back back into consciousness a lot of people probably would have uh, not heard of it back then but have come across it now and have watched and have realized uh, i wouldn't say ahead of its time there's not nothing particularly revolutionary about it no. but i don't know how it like sort of went under the radar back then but you people have now watched it and been like oh wow like i feel our generation has been like a major proponent of uh the movie coming back into the limelight and into the conversation yeah i think i would have actually initially i had picked welcome to be in this category but welcome was a hit on on release we did quite yeah, well. yeah. yeah and uh, and welcome is <laughs> has made a, like much like anand sapna apna has jumped back into the cultural zeitgeist and it is so especially like i i had friends who were using lines from the film on on dating apps like kanda le lo poa le lo and just like yeah and that and that's what people would like connect over so it, it's a very like our generation is responsible for some really bizarre shit the generation that yeah, follows yeah, I mean, yeah is yeah you you are a uh, you are a generation with memes i mean yeah. this is the genesis of a new concept of communication that sort of came about in our times and you see all of this experimentation play out in the weird shit that we put out into the the cyberverse in the last mm. few years yeah it's just it's just like it's a very it's a very very bizarre time especially in the, to be in this weird uh, situation we like especially for us and i think that's a that's a topic for an entirely different podcast where we talk about uh how as a millennial is sandwiched between the boomers and you're sandwiched between the gen z kids and they're both such polar opposites and you're somewhere in between who, who i'm finding harder and harder to relate with yeah like there's, I, there's another part where we discuss this and that's something we'll we'll all jump on yeah uh, there's this girl who's hosting it so we, that's that's something we can all take part in um but yeah <laughs> coming, coming back to the movie uh yeah there is like i have nothing to say about this film except that it's just an absolutely hilarious ride the ending is very uh what do you call it? It, it, like it's 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 slapstick comedy it's also like a case of mis- mistaken identity it's it has every comedy trope that you could possibly think of all wrapped up in one it and it's not is, particularly highbrow humor it's not no, it's very not. sophisticated it's, it's it's actually very it's pjs like i mean to use the indian term it, it's like these dad jokes but it's the commitment to the dad jokes that the characters have yeah. they deliver it as though you know they're it's, it's the funniest like line or it, it's like very sophisticated stuff they commit to it a lot which makes it a lot funnier and i think probably a pre hera fairy palesh rawal's best comedic performance uh, his his dual role as uh, teja and teja like just remembering the movies uh, just mm-hmm. yeah, the movie kind of brings back these lines like mai teja hu and the whole ab to purush hi nahi hai maa purush maa purush maa do good ab maa kidhar hai teja mai then like you realize his his ultimate goal and okay broad spoilers for the zap zap na his ultimate goal is to steal from his brother take all the money and open a poultry farm <laughs> yeah it's, it's this bizarre stuff right you're just like yeah. what is happening in this movie and why am i enjoying it so much it also has piku tarsanya piku tarsanya is like for me the epitome of 90s comedy he's he's kya yeah. kya I, i like absolutely adore piku tarsanya i wish i could 
uh, he's he's kind of taken a break from acting he appears in, in a few projects here and there uh, but uh, yeah like it's, i i i have a very fond affection for andaz apna i think we all do everyone who grew up in the generation who grew up watching it on television just also uh, i think andaz apna apna uh, plays or played a lot on z cinema and yeah, it's something kids our age would maybe have watched it in the late 2000s or early 2010s growing up sitting at home you're just like wow willing like, how did i not know of this movie before it's 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 an experience i don't know and how I, else to put it yeah another indian film i don't that deserve that gets as much air time and was like i i consider it to be a cult classic is jankar beats and uh, i i have not Dude, jankar beats is one of my favorite movies like it is it is it is a brilliant film it has one of the funniest lines uh ever in a movie <laughs> with regards to a dude you'll have to be specific dude there's so many like oh mundu mundu <laughs> mundu <laughs> no he's like no sex no mundu that and mujhe uh, taklu ke sath sex karna hai yeah that and the whole bit where uh, rahul bose is daring um, sanjay suri to a uh, pick up a condom with his mouth without using his hands and then yeah. the boss walks in on them and rahul bose is like sir isne aaj breakfast nahi kiya <laughs> rahul bose is just he carries the movie not that he, the rest aren't great but rahul yeah. bose is the shining star of that movie yeah he has that he has, he goes into the office and uh, they have to give them a line for the company right for the for the campus <laughs> <laughs> and then like, ah, mujhe ye pasand hai <laughs> मुझे बॉस लाइक मुझे ये पसंद है मुझे तो बिल्कुल पसंद मुझे पसंद नहीं है उनको तो बिल्कुल पसंद नहीं है देयर इट कस्टम लाइक एन आउटसाइड शॉट एंड यू सी थंडर लाइक मी कमिंग आउट ऑफ हिज ऑफिस या एंड नाउ गिवन बोथ ऑफ अस आर वर्किंग इन दैट सॉर्ट ऑफ यू नो आई डोंट कॉल इट अ क्रिएटिव एजेंसी बट दैट सॉर्ट ऑफ सेटअप वी आर जस्ट लाइक सम ऑफ इट इज अ बिट आउटलैंडिश बट देयर सो मच देव गॉट राइट द होल बाय कैमरा एंड या Very, very definitely, yeah. I think Jankar beats definitely. Like great music, what like uh, excellent of course, music. Like uh, uh, early days, Vishal Shekhar. Yeah, early days. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's uh, uh, become like a sort of double header uh, hmm. inadvertently. But uh, yeah. I think in case you haven't, you should definitely check out both these movies. Great yeah. time, very. um i mean this, these movies would also equally be at home in the feel good episode both of them are very mm. feel good movies you feel mm. very warm and nice and you had a good time laughing and there's there's no emotional heft i mean that in a good sense mm. uh, there's there's no heavy stuff it's just you enjoy the movie and you know it's all nice in the end so yeah i think there's a reason they're cult classics i mean i would even put jankar beats in that category of cult classics rightfully uh, mm-hmm. so great movies okay. ah So now let's let's get on to your second one. So my second one again uh, another Bollywood entry uh, mm. would be 2003's Hangama which mm. is also directed by Priya Darshan. Uh, I think this was the immediate movie after Hera Feri. I'm not sure if he directed something in between but I would say mm-hmm. the next Paresh Rawal comedy after Hera Feri. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hera Feri I mean If you haven't watched Hera Feri, I I don't know how to help you. Uh, I wouldn't call it a cult classic because it was a hit in its time. It was a massive mm-hmm. hit, and again, Hera Feri is is one of those ultra quotable movies. If you watched it, you know like ten lines from the movie, and 
it had built Paresh Rawal into this massive comic star where he won all of the awards and he was like the funniest guy in Bollywood at the time and there was a lot of expectation riding on Hangama in that sense when it came out because like okay Priyadarshan's teaming up with Paresh Rawal again it's a funny movie and uh, even the trailer showed showcased the sort of shenanigans you would you'd expect from the movie and um, while it did do well I wouldn't say it flopped but it's not in the public memory or public conversation the way hera fairy is um i don't know why i mean i honestly don't have objective on answers as to why the movie does take all of the boxes it's it's hilarious it is legitimately one of the more hilarious bollywood movies i've watched it has its uh, quotable moments I'm sure I mean you also remember the name um, Anandilal Katpitiya. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I I have laughed at that name so many who comes up with shit like this to Anandilal Katpitiya and then <laughs> Anandilal Katpitiya ke sath jo hua tha wo aapke sath nahi hona chahiye. I'm like who I want to meet this guy who is Anandilal Katpitiya. <laughs> and so that's the it has its own share of quotable stuff and I think it has uh, Aftab Shiv the Sunny maybe apart from uh, what's that other movie with Urmila Matondkar? must um, must i think yeah. apart from must this is probably after at his best uh no nah, i wouldn't and say i think that. he was pretty like, good i felt i mean yeah, i mean they wouldn't say jobs. this was i think musty the first one was he was really good at and then they just tripled down they made him like the even stifler and ruined his career <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. but anyways i mean the larger point being aftab is pretty good in the movie uh, akshay khanna is also pretty good in the movie i would say uh me said not so much i don't think mm. she's a great actress but she's serviceable the movie is really carried by uh, paresh rawal and his wife i forgot the actress's name who plays his wife she's there in hampanch also he would yeah, have seen yeah. her as as the the mother or the wife in hampanch mm-hmm. and um, i think it's that couple that they are by and like far and away the best thing about the movie and um, uh, hilarious we, dynamic yeah can we also like give a Uh, a small nod of appreciation to Rajpal Yadav. He's he's barely in and the and Rajpal yeah Yadav yeah, yeah. yeah he's there in the movie for the last half an hour but oh my god the guy gives you a stitch in the side <laughs> from laughing at his antics in the movie yeah and you feel really bad for Raja and I remember his name is Raja yeah, Raja and uh, you feel really bad for his character like my god how much shit can you put a character through uh it's it's amazing I mean. again like i said there's no reason why this movie is not remembered as fondly as it should be um in case you haven't again the ending of the movie uh, before i forget is one of the most memorable hilarious sequences it's outlandish it will never happen in real life but it revolves, it's very memorable uh, yeah it revolves around an electric circuit breaker right this is all i'll say yeah and, <laughs> and it slaps physics in the face like, massively i mean Uh, I don't want to get into it. How how yeah. do bodies conduct electricity, man? Like, you know, <laughs> the whole idea behind electrocution is that your body cannot. Anyways, like yeah. I, let's not get into it. But you guys should definitely check the movie out if you haven't. Um, guaranteed fun time. Guaranteed fun I, time. Like, I would say I would put this at. Okay, I can't put it at par with Paresh Rawal and Hera Firi simply because that role is so iconic. But mm-hmm. he's put in. I would say same amount of effort, and it. Yeah, it's, he, it's a different role. Job. Yeah, it's a yeah, different it's a kind of comedy. Yeah, but it's him and I think Shobhu Anand is is the is lady, um, and so is his wife, and they their dynamic kind of carries the film through. Uh, yeah, 
I think Aftab is like they try. They don't utilize him uh, here from a comedic perspective. I think in love, Kelly, which we karega, he's better. Uh, well, which the whole Aslam by. Uh, uh, oh, I totally that, forgot about that movie. He was really good in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That movie is also a proper caper. Like, yeah, he's also in uh, Amara Pagal Devana. He's good in that as well. Dude, like I, I've, I've actually looked yeah, actually, up. Actually, now that I think about it, Aftab Shuja Sang, he's pretty good. I don't know why he's not. He, he started also very young, very young. No, yeah. He was what? Yeah. He was in Mr. India as a child. Oh um, yeah. So his his line of work is insane. I think he he broke into the RGV camp and then he did a bunch of of films with Vikram Bhatt. He did Kasoor, which yeah. like for us back in the day was like, oh my god, what is happening? Uh, but uh, because it was him and Lisa Ray, I think it was the second film. And then he did a. He has a very interesting career path. And then, like, he sold his soul for Grand Mastery, and that just uh, less said about. If you're moving, uh, if you're making a movie called Grand Mastery and you're willingly participating in it, you deserve what's coming to you. No, because Mastery, when it first came out, the first one wasn't as bad as this. Like, Mastery. Mastery is a nice movie. I mean, it's a yeah. raunchy comedy. It's very yeah. low, bro, but it's fun. Dude, Grand Musty is just too cheeky, dude. Like, it's, 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 uh, and the title itself puts me off. Like, no, this is going to be. And just, then, they, and they had a sequel to the sequel to that as well. It was called Great Grand Musty. I'm just like, oh, ah, and it's just, I don't know, man. Vivek Obroy, I feel, I feel bad for the three of them. I think Ritesh has has kind of cornered the Marathi market. Like, he's he's doing a lot of uh, regional films right now, right? So, and also given his reputation in the state of Maharashtra. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't need to have a career. His dad was CM. I think monetarily yeah. they're they're doing okay. But I think one of the more nicer uh, like romances, I would say, in Bollywood, because uh, his first film, I think it's called Tujhe Mere Kasam or something. It's it was him. He debuted with Janelle, and then he ended up marrying her like years later. Ah, uh, which is yeah. So that's that's very very cute. But anyway. uh back to hangama so hangama again like i i recently watched this film in african preparation for this episode it possesses all the priyadarshan tropes like there is yeah. a mistake yeah. mistaken identity and that just opens up this rabbit hole uh for situational thing things to occur one by one and nobody at any point questions what's happening they just go with it each character is like takes the person's word for gospel or like reacts as if the person's word is gospel and it just leads to a very entertaining time uh in again shakti kapoor is hilarious <laughs> yeah it does shakti kapoor i think is just uh he, he's a riot from start to finish uh and he's like he's also barely there in the film but he's he's very very good at whenever he's on yeah yeah I, I, actually khanna i don't think i like i was a little this movie was a little overshadowed for me because I went and read the plot to Mohabbat, which I think was his debut or one of the films he came out with in ninety seven, ninety eight, and oh, dude, like I was watching the film and I lost interest in him completely because that that's the one where he is the tumor. Yeah, he is the tumor, and he is like <laughs> that, that. That movie uh, has a tumor, forgotten memory, dead boyfriend. It has just think about all the. the tragic elements in a in a bollywood film and put them in in a blender that movie has all of them and i now i definitely want to watch it but yeah that's hangama if you haven't checked it out you you definitely should it's mm-hmm. uh, well worth the ride yeah so now we move on to my number 3 right ah oh, what is my number 
of course so this is a film i suggest to a lot of people uh and i have been suggesting to a lot of people over the last 10 years and it takes them 3 minutes to really get invested in this film because it in my opinion possibly the greatest 3 minute opening sequence in a film ever like i, I because not it, it doesn't have like a, a lavish spectacle they are in some insane cg uh, effects at play it is a wonderful combination of cg and practical effects and if you see the behind the scenes of the making of this film they physically move sets to make these shots happen in real time i am of course referring to the 2010 massive cult classic in my opinion or at least to a whole generation of kids scott pilgrim versus the world now have you seen scott pilgrim versus the world uh yeah i have i had watched it i don't know maybe 6 7 years ago hmm i enjoyed it again contentious opinion i get edgar wright movies i'm hmm. not a a fan I, I, I wouldn't say I'm not a fan. They're good movies. I don't. I don't understand why he's so hyped. Mm-hmm. Again, that's my opinion. I don't want to like. Whatever. I don't want to demean the movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's got a very distinct style. It's got a very distinct treatment of the the story. It's uh, there's no other movie like Scott Pilgrim. I think that much I can honestly say. Yeah, uh, like it. It's got the whole Edgar Wright stamp on it. That frenetic pace. Screenplay is sharp. Editing is sharp. You've got. like visually it jumps out at you there's a lot of those slick editing where timing is everything mm-hmm. which are you know your typical edgar wright characteristics i get what makes edgar wright movies interesting i just don't vibe with it i don't know if that makes sense i i can see why it might not be everyone's cup of tea but i just i absolutely adore scott pilgrim versus the world i i'm, mm. I'm okay i'm all i'm i'm i like shaun the dead i don't love it but scott pilgrim is a film i i, I genuinely treasure the premise is very simple boy meets girl in order for boy to be with girl he has to fight her seven deadly exes that is yeah, the pitch simple. that's the elevator pitch and it is told through a video game esque sequence with a bunch of characters who are all very likable like i don't think anybody in this film i mean obviously gideon played by josh watsman is the is the big bad but and also the, seven's character isn't very likable yeah chris evans is like uh, He he plays Lucas Lee, a film star who, um, like 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 they double down on the action uh, on the trope of an action film star with uh, with Chris Evans. Uh, there's Brandon Ruth, criminal yeah. like what a what a what a great role. Brie Larson, like obviously like this is just early stage Brie Larson. Uh, Anna Kendrick, um, Aubrey Plaza. The, the star cast is is quite insane if you just think about it. It is, it is. Yeah, like all these people who are just just about breaking out of, of their roles at the time, and such and uh, such a fun time. Like I, I feel there's not a moment in the film where, you, where you're bored. There is like mm. it, I feel like if there were if I have any criticism of this movie, it's that towards the the uh, the climax of the film, you you tend to get a little jaded. But even then, the film pulls it pulls it back, and there's a whole, there's a whole sequence there that, that's that's extremely entertaining. Definitely one of the more unique films I've seen in the last ten years. It Absolutely, on that I have it, to. Agree. Yeah, it was not like it was not understood when it was released. People were like, "What is happening?" And uh, great soundtrack, like a soundtrack I can plug in to this day, and and you know, I like it's 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 just so much fun. 
the opening sequence that I mentioned in the first three minutes, a lot of it is carried by that opening soundtrack. But it's very hard to buy Michael Cera as being in a band. And, you know, you have a certain persona in mind when you, you think of a musician, especially in the context of uh, a band in a movie. And Michael Cera is so far from that stereotype. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> Like I love, but I love how they like they doubled down on it because it went from we are we are sex bomb and we are here to be singing about death and feel sad and stuff, which is such a Michael Cera line to say. So it's like uh, it's it's just it, it, I feel like he he perfectly fit that character as, and you know he's been able to live it down since his uh, like they the thing they they do with him in this is the end is also quite fun. But I was just um, going to mention, I think yeah. that for me is the greatest Michael Cera turn in his career. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about uh, bucking expectations. <laughs> I love that movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, I just wanted to know, like, the, like when they were writing the film, they were like, Jonah, are you ready to get, <laughs> like, are you ready to get molested by a, by a dick devil? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jonah, are you ready to have the worst time of your life? <laughs> like, you can send it to this what the fuck's wrong with you <laughs> oh. but yeah hmm. okay but yeah I mean uh, if you haven't checked out Scott Pilgrim vs. the World I uh, absolutely adore it it's on Netflix uh, in most countries so so check it out if there's a VPN sponsorship person listening somewhere uh, we're open to d- discussions like email us <laughs> <laughs> the amount of suggestions we're throwing you away. So VPN subscriptions. Hi, hello. Great to, great, great to meet you. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's get back to it. Also, on a, a pro tip from my end, uh, this movie especially, this, this is in that set of movies which I won't tell you how not to be uh, sober. You, you decide the means, but I would mm-hmm. recommend you not watch this movie sober. It gets all that much more fun. Uh, I mean, this way, if you if you're not sober and if you attempt to go one of two ways, or one of several ways, really, oh, this could be this could be quite. <laughs> being, I don't yeah. know. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know which way it, it would go, dude. It's like <laughs> it's like uh, a friend of mine attempted to do this, and he watched Hostel, and it just it no. That's be, that's asking for a bad time, dude. Yeah. Come on, there's there's no means of non sobriety which. Hostel is well suited for so uh, I don't know. Yeah, your friend asked for it. But yeah. yeah. He but he uh, could he could have watched of, a, uh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 no finish, finish. He could have watched a Serbian film, but yeah. This is yeah, small yeah. But speaking of uh, non-sobriety, I think this is a good segue into my third film. Um clearly a movie. <laughs> that was not made with any straight thought put into any aspect of the process of making it uh, a movie so bad that they made a movie about the making of the movie, which was a really good, like critical darling and uh, a big success and stuff, Uh, a cultural phenomenon in its own sense. And uh, so when we say movies that are so bad, they're good. I think this would, this movie would be the poster child of, of those set of movies. I am, of course, talking about um, Tommy, I don't know, Tommy Wiseau, Tommy Wiseau's 2003, The Room. 
which uh, I don't know how to start talking about this movie, to be honest. Uh, I will I will talk to you about this movie. Okay. So there's, there is a reason why this movie is not on my list because it is on your list. So, uh, <laughs> so I discovered The Room. I don't know how. I discovered The Room because I was looking up Citizen Kane and somebody said there's a Citizen Kane of bad movies. Kane of bad movies, yes. Is The Room. And yeah. so The Room, so Tommy Wiseau is this American actor, he calls himself an American. Cool, he's been there longer. Dude, I think both of those parts I suspect. <laughs> yeah, no. So he decided to write. He decided to like write a book based on Tennessee Williams. Is like he was really into Tennessee Williams, and he decided to write a book based on Tennessee Williams' way, uh, like view of life. Nobody would publish the book, and then he decided to make it a play. Nobody would produce the play. And then he decided, fuck it, I'm going to make a movie out of it. Now he raised $6 million selling Korean jackets. Or like, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. I Which is a cover story. He was funneling money for some Ukrainian yeah. mafia or something. Yeah, no, but yeah. <laughs> just like allegedly. Allegedly. But $6 million, the story is he, he brought in $6 million by selling Korean jackets. Wrote, directed, Wait, produced. what are Korean jackets? I've never heard. What, what is a Korean jacket? I have no idea either. That's just what the, what the brief is. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he, and then he wrote, directed, acted, and produced uh, this edited I guess, thing. Yeah. All of those roles are suspect. So <laughs> I don't think he really did a good job any of them. Now, The Room. So, I, the, my first time watching The Room is... <laughs> Just, I am just gonna keep laughing. It's fine. It's like I'm like, okay, what has this person done? This, this is the perfect example of like, don't don't be a generalist. Oh my God. Be a, be, be a special be a specialist at what you do, which is really scary for because like we're like I, I'm like always consider myself to be a generalist. So it's me and Tommy Wiseau, I think, in the same bracket. And if I have like a shed of this, like an, an iota of the success that he's had. I, I will be. I will live a, a happy life. But anyway, back to Tommy Wiseau. So the room opens I mean, up. I mean, so so anyway, how's your sex life? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So, so okay, I need to like. What are you know, saying? I need. I need. I need to know her name. So. Yeah, Lisa, so, Lisa, uh, Lisa. So is, yeah. no, no, Lisa's. What's the actress's name? Uh, Brittany. Oh, that is right. Yeah. Uh, let me just pull up that name. I need to know her name. While while Avin oh. looks that name up, the reason I remember this uh, uh, the name of the character Julia is uh, yeah. So oh. the the reason I remember the name of the character is because uh, there's a scene where he tells Tommy Wiseau's character Tommy only right his name yeah in the movie is yeah so Tommy Johnny tells Johnny. Uh, Johnny, Johnny, right. Hmm. Johnny tells Lisa, you're tearing me apart, Lisa, which yeah. apparently is a reference to Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. Dude, what fucking business do you have making references to Rebel Without a Cause? Like, look at what you're making. Anyway, so this film, I'm going to try and keep this as like, uh, I know this is your movie. I'm kind of like jumping on it, but I have to talk to you. There is a video running around. I mean, the, the room is everyone's movie. Yeah, there is a video running. I, I need to go dig, dig it up. It's in an old iPhone. I will find it. I promise. Of Sid watching the room, okay, <laughs> and, and specifically Sid watching the two sex scenes from the room. It's so okay. Before we, I get into that. That aspect, firstly, there yeah. are no two sex scenes. There's one sex scene which has <laughs> yeah. been 
the same footage has been repeated for the second sex there is my god like how dumb do you think your viewers are tommy like it's the same scene where he seems to be having sex with a navel like so yeah like no i think so what happened was in the story is that she refused to get into the into bed with him the second time because he was a, a dick about it like he showed up on like it's it's, it's in the disaster artist where he shows up on set completely naked and uh he's like no i'm a real actor this is what real actors do and uh, uh he just like she she quit the film i think she like did her scenes and, and she just said i can't uh deal with this guy's abusive nature and she fucked off as right as she should and because of and i think tommy just tried to write more sex scenes with her like i had written more sex scenes with her and he just uh, and, and she's like no i'm such a creep i don't want to be a part of this it's not even the most the problematic part of this film is just the premise it's about a guy named johnny who's a really nice guy but who the, but the world doesn't treat well there's also a random football sequence like like that takes place in an alley where they're wearing tuxedos yeah exactly and then there's, there's why are you like, wearing tuxedos and then there's a there is also oh my god like can, the subplot oh, about the kid drug dealer yeah that 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 right there what <laughs> like can we there's there's this creep dude like basically this voice the creep child that they've adopted called denny who's like who who's straight up has no like filter he's like oh, what are you doing i want to watch i want to see i want to be a part of this i love yeah, him doesn't, doesn't he doesn't he walk in uh, right after they've had sex and they're like just in before, bed just, just before they're just about to before right yeah and he's like if i were in tom johnny's world like, who the fuck are you get out dude just <laughs> <laughs> like I, i'd like to watch no what get, get the fuck out it's and it's even the the guy who plays his friend i forgot his name uh i'm greg greg sistero or something yeah yeah greg sistero who plays mark greg sistero mark. wrote wrote the disaster artist and then that became a a, a movie so it's like about right, his time right. yeah so greg right. sistero i think was, you in the whole i i didn't hit her i didn't hit her oh hi mark yeah that's <laughs> iconic so you have here's looking at you kid and i did not hit her i did not hit her it's bullshit i did not hit her i did not Oh hi Mark. Yeah, you got it exactly like, right. <laughs> it seems you're like the expert Mark and the, the, the best actor in so like I'm, I'm sorry I'm just going to start quoting random dialogues that I for this in this film that makes zero sense. One past your sex life which we spoke about in a while, a while ago. Yeah, they're just sitting in a cafe he Mark has just asked him so the preceding couple of lines of dialogue is up i if i remember correctly mark asking about his financial situation or something yeah. then they briefly discuss whether lisa is cheating on him or not he just alludes it in one line and then he's like oh but uh, anyways how's your sex life I'm like dude who 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 talks like this and even lisa's mom if you remember she's just like off hand yeah i definitely have cancer it <laughs> yeah like <laughs> she's like oh i definitely have and they never go back to that plot that plot point and this this never reacted she like you have okay, yeah, okay like, whatever i don't care he's like i want to leave johnny he doesn't treat me well he didn't get his promotion at the office and then it culminates so okay so basic premise of the room guy loves his girlfriend what basic premise but okay 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 but anyway guy loves his girlfriend girlfriend 
is does wants to leave him and is cheating on him with his best friend guy finds out rex throws her out of the house and then shoots himself and everyone regrets having lost such a great person that is the premise of the room and like it's the plot I, there's no spoilers or anything it's just that the journey to get from point a to point z is the experience i, I can watch the the plot of the room is like a neuron like if you've seen the diagram of what a neuron looks like yeah. there's one main line but there's these 100 other branches which branch out and lead nowhere <laughs> they like these uh, narrative cul-de-sacs <laughs> which are like <laughs> i don't know what purpose they serve in the movie the room is chock full of those which is like but uh, uh, what happened to that i don't care what okay we don't care about that either like we just showed you 2 minutes of it because we had to fill screen space and then with barreling towards this dumbass ending there is uh there's a weird thing with this psychologist who's giving you investment advice if i am not mistaken <laughs> there is also i have no reason to disbelieve that yeah there's just oh man there is so much about this film i absolutely adore i know we've jumped all around it so in like just which is for, apt for the movie because that's yeah. what the movie also does but Again, yeah. guys straight off the bat this is this movie is not going to make sense if you are going to watch this movie a sober or b expecting for it to make sense uh, you are going to be severely disappointed if you are going to watch this movie with the expectation of just watching a movie that's so bad that you can laugh genuinely laugh at it you're going to have a ball of a time i mean you still i'm sure in their theaters in the us where they have screenings yeah. of the movie where people react to the lines and they participate it's, it's a interactive ex- viewing experience right yeah they throw spoons at the screen so like you all bring spoons and they throw it at the screen it's sort of more yeah. so and also like before we wrap up this episode like this this bit i want to talk about the greatest sequence in this entire film it involves a flower shop lady her dog her dog was uh-huh. so so legend has it that uh the lady at behind the counter is an actual florist and uh like they just and that her dog was was on set the entire day for the shot uh didn't move was just stood exactly where it was so tommy came in <laughs> said okay this is the scene this is the line uh you have to say i am your favorite cust- you are my favorite customer and i will walk off Hi. Can I help you? Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be $18. Here you go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. He had not he went in and he improvised the hi doggy line. Oh, hi doggy. This so like he his highs of are very floaty. You can tell in certain yeah, places like yeah. the like his the dubbing is so off. especially where the opening sequence where he meets Lisa for the BC meeting for the first time he says you look so beautiful Lisa and it oh no it's she's coming on the stairs and he says wow you look so sexy <laughs> you could tell it was it was who talks like that dude it's such it's a very it's a very very creepy thing yeah. uh, anything for my princess <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean this is one of those movies which I would legitimately term an experience. If this sort of stuff is your cup of tea, this is going to be one of the most enjoyable movie watching experiences you'll have. There is nothing like, 
like the movie, uh, like the room out there. I mean, I've seen some bad movies and I've seen some stinkers, but this is this is the most ha- like you have those. I don't know the name of the movie, but the whole garbage day. I haven't watched the whole of the. Uh, the Silent night, movie. Silent night, Deadly night. Yeah, I'm sure those movies are bad. This is probably the worst. Uh, I'm calling it mainstream movie, but movie which reached a wider audience, but yet was this bad. It is. Oof! It is something. Yeah, and I think on that note, that brings us an end to this week's episode. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Uh, depend. When are you back? Are you back on? I'm back in midweek. So midweek. So we can do next week. We we don't know what we're discussing next week, but we will figure it out uh, yes. during the week. And this should be out um, somewhere in the week. I think on on Wednesday or if not earlier. Uh, but yeah. Uh, we'll be, we're, back, we're excited to be back we're refreshed, rejuvenated and looking forward to the second half of our season take care so they opened their big mouths and out came talk talk, talk